First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 711, 711 of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy, as always, to be here with you guys today. I've got an incredible guest returning to the podcast. Senator Josh Hawley will be here with me in just a few minutes. It's an honor to have the senator back on the podcast here. He is out with a new book, Manhood, The Masculine Virtues America Needs. Uh, Senator Josh Hawley was the 42nd Attorney General of Missouri before he was elected to the Senate, became a U.S. Senator in Missouri. I don't think his book could be any more timely than right now about manhood. We all have heard this slogan before, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times. And right now we are in the cycle of good times creating weak men. And very shortly here, the weak men are going to be creating hard times for all of us. So we are headed in that direction because masculinity has come under attack. The family has come under attack. Fathers have come under attack. And it seems like, and in my opinion, you guys have heard me say it a million times, uh, I really do believe that the underdog in this country is the American family man. It seems like the odds are stacked against the young families that are starting out in this country today. And we have got to turn that around. We have got to become a family-focused, faith-based focused uh, country once again, if we want any shot at saving our country here. So I think it's so important to have these kind of conversations. We've got this fatherless crisis. I harp on it all the time because it's the key to everything. If we could solve the fatherless crisis, if we could get our nuclear families back in store and bring some God back into our society, boy, uh, what a major difference that would make and how our country would look in just a few years if we could turn this around. Again, it's a real blessing to have the senator join me here on the podcast. Uh, it's always It always blows my mind that I'm sitting in my bedroom closet having the opportunity to speak uh, to people like Senator Josh Hawley, and I owe that all to you guys, the listeners here, who have created the opportunity for me to do this. So I thank you guys, as I always do, uh, for helping me keep this podcast going. So Senator Josh Hawley is going to be here with me in just a few minutes. Please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Senator Josh Hawley was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you want to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, for those of you guys who are following me on Rumble, you got this interview yesterday. I put it out live on Rumble on the Alec Lay Show. It's the new show that I got going on, uh, starting to grow a little bit over there. I would love it if you guys could jump over. I get into more of these uh, politically charged conversations about the issues that are facing parents in America today, because I don't know if you're like me, but I am sick and tired of seeing what is happening in this country to parents, to families and so it's time to start speaking up about it. I know I try to keep the politics off of this podcast as much as I can. I am not doing that over on Rumble on the Alec Lay Show. So if you're interested in these topics, please get over there. Hit me with a follow or subscribe. It's free to watch. Uh, the link is in the description of the show as well here. And if you guys enjoy this conversation today with Senator Josh Hawley, go through the archives of First Class Fatherhood. You'll see my conversations with other United States senators, including Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Marco Rubio, former Senator Bob Kerry, 
There have been a ton of congressmen that have joined me on the podcast here, including Congressman Jim Jordan. Also, listen, the presidential race is now heating up. Uh, We know the GOP is going to come down to between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. I had Governor Ron DeSantis on the podcast here. You can find that interview that I did with him. Also, uh, I'll tell you right now, the GOP candidate that's really catching a lot of attention, Vivek Ramaswamy. I love everything this guy has to say. I think he's going to definitely line himself up for a position in a cabinet somewhere down the line. I think the political future for him is very bright. You can find my interview with Vivek Ramaswamy in the archives as well. All right, if you guys want to help support the podcast here, get over to my pillow. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD at checkout. You can save up to 66% of your order. You're going to get a great product. You're going to help support First Class Fatherhood as well. So get over to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout. Save up to 66% on your order. All right, so let's do this. As always, please let me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Senator Josh Hawley on First Class Fatherhood. All right. Joining me now, First Class Father, Senator Josh Hawley. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, last time we spoke, your kids, your boys, eight years old, six years old, daughter, just six months. Give me an update. How old are the kids? How are they doing? So now the boys are 10 and eight and my baby daughter is two and she is absolutely in charge. When I left this morning, she was sitting at the kitchen table. Her name is Abigail. And I said, Abby, you're in charge while daddy's gone. And she looked at me and she said, okay, daddy, as in like, aren't I always? So that's how it's going. It's it's going great. It's a great time of life. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah. I have, I have three boys and we got the little girl on our fourth try. She runs the show over here as well. So I know all about that, but I know just like you and me and every parent in this country right now, Senator, we are concerned about the country that our kids are growing up in uh, manhood, the masculine virtue, the Virtues America Needs is a timely book right now. In my opinion, the underdog in this country, Senator, is the American family, and in particular, the family man. He's been the forgotten man. So what was the spark that led you to write this book, Manhood? My boys, you know, being 10 and 8, they're at that age now when I really start thinking as a dad, what is it I need to do to help them become the men that they're meant to be? And as they get older and more susceptible to media influence, uh, to the influence of popular culture, I've started thinking about, you know, what do I need to do? What stories do I need to tell them? What vision do I need to give them? And the book really grew out of that. And what it really is, is a bunch of stories about role models from the Bible, from American history, from my life of good, strong men. And what it means to be a husband and a father and a warrior and a builder. I go through those character traits, those virtues, and talk about men who exemplify them. Yeah. And and we need that right now. I know in the book, you talk about how a man is born to work and to acquire the character that work brings. And for some reason, you know, especially for the blue collar worker, uh, the middle class worker, the guy that just wants to go to work, pay his bills, raise his family. I'm a guy. I'm a railroad mechanic. I've been doing that for two decades. Hustle, Uber, taxis on the side, whatever I can do so that my wife could stay home and raise the kids. And that seems to be like the absolute thing to do now. Everyone seems to look down upon the guy that works and wife stays home and raises the kids as if he's oppressing his wife because she has to stay home with the kids. That used to be the norm in this country. And now all of a sudden it's like that's the guy that's uh, that's being attacked and the, the family units have completely broken down in this country and i think that combined with the fact that the heavenly father has been removed is the result that combination is the result of why we're seeing so much chaos in the country absolutely and it used to be 
that you had people who wanted to have wanted to have an economy. You said people who are elected officials and they said it's our goal in this country to have an economy where a guy who works with his hands, a blue collar worker, which, by the way, 70, 70 percent of American men in this country. Right. It used to be we aspired to have those guys be able to provide for their families on the income they earned. Not anymore. To your point now. The idea is that, oh, of, co- of course, both spouses should have to work, you know, and, and of course, the, the blue collar worker, they should just have to live with the fact that they can't get a good job anymore. Their wages are lower than they've ever been. Many blue collar jobs, four million to be exact, have gone to China in the last 20 years. So you have a whole series, a whole generation of these policy types in Washington, D.C., who really look down, I think, on blue collar work. They look down on the blue collar family, the traditional family. And if it disappears, they'd be just fine with that. I mean, that is the truth. And I think you're right. That is at the root of much of what's going on in America, childhood poverty, uh, the the youth violence. It's because the family is crumbling and men in particular, working men, are really under assault. Yeah, and I, I can be honest with you, Senator. There's no, I take no more pride than being able to provide for my family, to protect for my family. And I try to relay that to young men who are, you know, are, are afraid of becoming a father because of what they're seeing out there. And I try to turn that mindset around to say, this is going to be the greatest thing that's going to happen in your life. And I know in your book, you talk about the crisis of fatherhood. Uh, it, it's it's the number one thing I talk about all the time, the fatherless crisis. You know the stats, you mentioned a few. You can't have these conversations about homelessness, poverty, crime, without talking about the fatherless crisis. We are filling up the prison systems in this country with one particular type of individual, and that is a young man that came from a fatherless household. Meanwhile, President Biden will tell you the most dangerous thing to society is a white supremacist. I would argue that it's a young man that grows up without a father. And that's not to say that every kid that grows up without a dad is going to end up in prison. But 85% of our youths that are in prison, Senator, are coming from fatherless homes. 100%. And if you look at just, let's look at youth violence. The number of those guys who commit violence, do they have the father present? No. On the on the flip side, if you put a dad into the home, heck, there's one study that shows if you just put a dad into the neighborhood, just one dad in a neighborhood, you dramatically reduce youth violence. Same thing with childhood poverty. Put a father into a home actually contributing to his kids and his wife you dramatically, dramatically reduce childhood poverty. Same thing for depression, same thing for drug abuse. You can go down the line. So I agree with you 100%. The data agrees with you that fathers are absolutely key. And I just think for young men, part of what I wanted to say to them in this book is, you want to leave a legacy? You want to have influence in this life? You want your life to count for something? Be a father. Get married, have a family, provide for them, be a father. Yeah, very well said. And and, and, ju- and just touching more on this, uh, it seems like that idea of having the father in the family to the left it seems to be uh, uh, something that they're against. President Joe Biden himself says, uh, these are our nation's children or all of our children. We hear this from the press secretary. These are our kids. We got the secretary of education in this country telling you that teachers know better for their kids than the parents do. And it just seems like why in the world does the left side of the aisle or the Democrats in this country want to get a wedge in between the parents and their kids? I can't figure that out. Yeah, it's because they don't like the family and they don't like fathers and they don't like mothers. I mean, these are the same people who say, that all men are toxic by definition. These are the same people who say that there's no such thing as a woman, you know, that if a biological man decides that he wants to be a woman today, that's fine. And that he's just as good as a biological woman. This is insanity that they're pushing on the country. And you're right. This administration in particular has tried to separate parents from children. You know, these are the people who labeled parents domestic terrorists if they went to their own kid's school board meeting and said, I'd kind of like to see what my kid's being taught. I don't want my kid to have to wear a mask 
in school when there's no medical reason for it. Domestic terrorists, they were called. So yes, there is a concerted effort to treat the traditional family and moms and dads as somehow outmoded, as as a threat uh, to kids' health. When the, the reverse is the truth. The best thing for kids is a stable two-parent family. No doubt about that, Senator. And you know what? I'm here in the, the communist state of New Jersey where a few years ago they passed this guidance where the teachers don't even have to tell the parents things that are going on in the classroom, such as if the kid changes his pronouns, if they come out as a transgender, the teachers are not required to even tell us, the parent, what's going on. And this LGBTQ community has seemed to have hijacked so much of our society right now, and they seem to get all bent out of shape because they're not allowed to perform these uh, perverted acts in front of children. And if you call them on it, they call you a bigot. And it seems like we're, we're more and more of them want a drag queen story hours uh, and then we're seeing these companies get into bed with them like Target and Kohl's. And it seems like these companies are willing to pay the price uh, just so that they can virtue signal. It seems like the virtue signaling is worth the price that they have to pay. And that is another thing. And, and stop coming after the children is not too much to ask. No, it's not too much to ask. And you're right about these woke corporations who would rather bow down in front of and bend the knee to these radical leftist groups than they would pay their workers a good wage, actually employ people in the United States of America and stand up for the traditional family. You know, these are the same corporations that are happy to buy all their stuff from China. They're happy to ship all of our jobs overseas that actually support families. And then they turn around and lecture these same families in middle America. And by that, I just mean the people in the middle of this country, in the middle doing the work, doing the uh, supporting the country, doing the labor, they lecture them, they lecture us on what our values should be. I just think it's sickening. And the antidote to this, by the way, is give parents rights. I mean, I think we ought to give every parent a federal right, a federal parent's bill of rights where you can go into court and say, if, if I don't get told by my school district what my kids are being taught, who's teaching them, what the money's going on, uh, going toward, what medical procedures the counselor's recommending to my kid, then you can sue the administrators. And you can actually enforce your rights. And we've got to do this or else these bureaucrats are going to be raising our kids. Yeah, because what's going to be the next step? And I, I couldn't agree more. It's just sad that we have to say that we need something like that at the federal level. I mean, how, how ridiculous does that even sound saying it? But also, too, now in, in, in the neighboring here in, in New York City, you got this these immigrants that are coming in, illegals that are coming in from down south. They're busting them into New York City and they're putting them, some of them, hundreds of them in gymnasiums of schools. And they're saying, well, the gym ain't attached to the school. So that's OK. So parents are supposed to accept the fact that these people, nobody has any idea who they are, where they came from, what their background is, what their intentions are, and they're putting them in a part of the school, the school gym in New York City, and they're telling parents, hey, if you got a problem with this, you're, you're a racist or you're a bigot, and you have to shut up and like it. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and once again, it just goes to the fact that if you are a working class family in this country, you're supposed to just shut up and take it. You're supposed to watch while your job goes away. You're supposed to watch while your wages get cut. You're supposed to shut up uh, while an illegal immigrant takes your job, while your kids are threatened. And by the way, you want to talk about illegal immigration and what that's doing to our kids. How about the drugs? In my state, Missouri, fentanyl, number one killer of young people and middle-aged people in my state. It's all coming from across the southern border. It's in every school in the state. It's everywhere. And it's all because of the illegal immigration and the fact that this administration has just opened the border, just floodgate of drugs, crime into every community in the state. I know that's happening in every state across the country. And uh, it, again, it's, it's sick. It's wrong. It is absolutely wrong. 
Yeah, and, and I do, and I, and I know every parent does their best to get kids out of the public school system because it is just so toxic. Look at what's on the walls of the schools in our public schools. They're getting indoctrinated with all kinds of stuff, the CRT, the LGBT, and now it's like they say, they call you out, oh, you're banning books from the school. When everyone knows damn well it's not books that are being banned, it's the pornography that's being banned, and they try to play it off. You can't even read this material on live television without the censors getting in trouble. You can't post the images on Twitter without it getting blocked on Twitter with them saying to put a warning on it, but it's allowed to be in the children's school. Parents are getting so fed up with having to eat this stuff, and every time they speak out, they're getting shouted down. Yeah, and you know it's funny about the book uh, book banning. Who are the book banners? It's the left who won't let you read Dr. Seuss for heaven's sake. I mean, these are the people who want to go back and rewrite our entire American history. These are the people who say that we weren't founded in 1776; we were founded in 1619. They want to erase all traces of our history. They want to take out books that uh, that refer to American history. They don't want you to read Dr. Seuss. I mean, these people have lost their minds. I mean, they have really lost their minds. And to your point about schools, the fact is that parents pay for these schools with their tax dollars. And it's not too much to ask that a parent be able to go to a school board meeting, get some answers about his kid's education, and say, I want to know what you're spending my money on. I want to know what you're teaching my kids. I want to know what medicines you're recommending they take. And hey, if you're doing stuff behind my back, I want to put a stop to it. That's pretty basic stuff. And we should give parents the right to enforce those in court. Yeah, I I agree. And I think the future of this country is going to be in the hands of the parents. And I think the parents now are you're starting to see it all over the place. I've just had enough. They pushed them to the limit. And I wanted to get your take on this, Senator, because I know you're the leading opponent of TikTok. Every parent is dealing with this stuff. I got two teenagers in the house uh, out of the four kids. This TikTok thing with their friends, it's nuts. They have this chroming thing now where kids are sniffing this stuff. They're dropping dead. They're going to the hospital and and they're doing it under this hashtag called hashtag whip talk, which has 400. 12 million views. I mean, it's getting a lot of eyeballs on it. What in the world do parents do to try to get this thing under control? Well, you know, I I would just say that the best thing to do is to get your kids off of TikTok. And and the next best thing to do is is to try to limit their time as much as possible. And I think explaining the fact that, listen, this TikTok is a backdoor. Put aside the content that's on it for a second, which is terrible in many cases. You know, you've got the suicide information, suicide challenges that are on there. But put all that aside. It is also a spying device for the Communist Chinese Party that is literally tracking every place you go, your location. It is tracking your keystrokes. It is tracking what you look at. It is tracking your phone list. It is tracking your text messages. So it's not just a a fun little video app. It is a backdoor into every aspect of your life, which is why we need to ban it at a national level. We banned it at the federal government. We did that six months ago. We need to ban it nationally. And I just think to your point, I hear people say all the time, reporters and usually supporters of TikTok, they say stuff like, oh, well, this is really the parents' fault. You know, I mean, if if parents were attentive to their kids, to which I say, have you tried parenting kids in this age of social media? My 10-year-old knows more about my phone than I do. You know, and I mean, I hope I'm not an inattentive parent. So I just think we've got to give parents some help here. I think we ought to have an age limit for all social media. And I think we ought to ban TikTok. Yeah, social media is a poison. And you're right. I mean, my kids, they they do laps around me when it comes to technology. I have no idea. what I, I always bring them up. Hey, how do I do this? How do I hook this up? They're always showing me what to do and look at me like I'm a dinosaur. When I used to be the guy hooking up the VCRs when I was a kid, you know, I, 
It's yeah. all turned around on me here. But I social media obviously is a poison. Another thing to your book here, uh, Manhood, the Masculine Virtues, American Needs, link down there in the description uh, is the Heavenly Father. I know you talk yeah. about God. It's been removed from so much of our society, and, it, and it's the key to all of this stuff. We've become a godless nation in so many ways, a godless society. So how do we reignite that passion, that love for God once again in this country? Well, you know, I think that's the key thing, really. But the left is offering our kids and an entire generation is basically secular atheism. And here's what it boils down to. What they're saying to our young men in particular is, don't be men, be androgynous consumers. Go sit in your basement, mom and dad's basement, turn on your laptop, sit there, watch some stuff on a screen, buy some stuff, be entertained, and don't rock the boat. Now, that's their message. And we need to say to them, no, 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 turn off the screen, come up out of the basement. Your life has purpose. There is a God, there is purpose in the universe, there is purpose in this world. You were made for a purpose. You can, by taking responsibility, you can transform your life, you can transform the destiny of people around you, and you can transform this nation. It all begins with taking responsibility and being who God made you to be. That is the powerful, incredibly good message that we have to give to young men. And it is diametrically opposite to the left, which is basically a message of atheism, despair, androgyny, and, you know, uh, passivity. I mean, just basically give up all hope and, you know, entertain yourself. Yeah, amen, Senator. We, we, we definitely need to have a reemergence of faith in this country for sure. Faith and fatherhood, family, that's what's going to turn this whole thing around. And ironically, some of the, the biggest critics of the book Manhood are, are, are people that believe that men should be competing in women's sports. And they think like it's a big knock. So you've seen all the, the, the normal characters, the usual suspects, New York Times, Washington Post. You've seen the critics come out. What's been your response to the critics in a book here? You know, well, number one, they should read the book. Almost none of them had actually read it. Number two... It's not enough to say that, oh, well, this isn't a real crisis. You know, men are fine in America. No, they're not. How can you look at the suicide among our young guys and say that's okay? How can you look at the depression, the drug abuse, the lack of work? How can you look at that and say, oh, it's really all fine. You should just get over it. You know, quit quit hyperventilating. We've got a real problem here. And I think the problem is one of vision. And the problem is, again, is the left saying to men, you're inherently toxic. The problem is the left saying to men, just be androgynous and aim for nothing more in life than to be a consumer. That's the problem. So they are the problem. The left is the problem, what they have sold the men of this country, what they've told them since the time they were you know, little guys in kindergarten. We've got to raise their sights. We've got to tell them the truth, which is they're needed, that their responsibility is powerful, and that they can change themselves and change this country's destiny. We need them to do that. Yeah, right on with that. And just like we were talking about, uh, faith is something big in my family. And I go to church. My three boys are altar boys. And I know that the stats all show it, that if the father goes, brings his kids to church, the likelihood of those kids going to church when they're older is far greater than if they go just with the mother. The father's impact on a child is so big. And you talk about the suicides. We had one in my son's grade this year. We had one in my son's grade last year with these suicides. When we were a kid growing up, it was unheard of that you had kids killing themselves. And if you look at going back to the social media every year since 2007 youth suicide has increased and ironically 2007 is the first year we got these smartphones so i think there's definitely a connection somewhere here that this social media stuff has just upset the apple cart with children's childhood they seem like they are not allowed to be just kids anymore and they were all under this peer pressure that's coming from these devices that we're all just so attached to yeah it is the the social media And the smartphone, big tech, has turned out to be the rocket fuel, I think, for the radical, destructive agenda of the left. You know, their ideology, 
that is their anti-man, anti-woman, anti-gender, anti-God ideology, it has just been given rocket fuel by social media. And so now kids get this constant barrage of images shoved in their face. Of this, why, why, by the way, take the trans, the explosion of kids who identify as transgender. That has also exploded exactly at the same time social media has taken off. You know, now, why would that be the case? Is that just an, an accident? You know, for all of human history, only like 0.0001% of the population has any issue in terms of identifying as trans. And now all of a sudden, it's like massive numbers of young people. And that's just a coincidence? I don't think so. Nobody thinks it's a coincidence. It's driven by social media and the, the social environment. And again, I just say to people on the left, is this really what you want? I mean, you look at the state that our kids are in. You look at what they're struggling with. Is this what you want? I don't think so. I don't think any parent wants this. We've got to change course and offer a better message and a higher vision. No doubt. It, it definitely has an impact. This is why we call these people influencers. They have a heavy influence. This is all by design. And just imagine if we use this tool for good and we portrayed the strong male role models, the importance of being a father and raising a family, how quickly we could turn our society around. But we're choosing not to do it. They're choosing it to do it for bad. So uh, all in this book here, Manhood, The Masculine Virtues America Needs. I think it makes a great Father's Day uh, book. Father's Day is right around the corner here. Uh, what, what is the, per let me ask you this. What does the perfect father's day look like for you, Senator? Oh, Hey, just getting to spend time with my kids. I mean, that's the, for me, I have to tell you really every day is father's day. I mean, I wake up and, uh, I, I just, I hear my, my kids, uh, no matter how early we go to bed and how early we wake up with the two-year-old in the house, there's always somebody up before my wife and me. So it never fails. And, uh, but so my kids always wake me up in one way or another, whether that's 2 AM or 5 AM. But, you know, whenever whenever they wake me up in the morning and I hear him, I'm just like, I just thank God that he allowed me to be a father. In the book, I talk a little bit about becoming a father. We actually, my wife and I lost our first child uh, before uh, he or she, we never found out, uh, before they were born in a miscarriage. And, and for me, that really, as a young man, that really brought home the gift that being a father is. You know, it, it's not something that just you can take for granted. And so every day I'm like, man, I am just thankful for the gift of getting to be a dad. And there is nothing better for me in life ever any day of the week than getting to spend time with my three kids and my wife. Yeah, great stuff, Senator. And the last thing I want to hit you with here, uh, we, I talked about at the top, the underdog in this country is the family man, the American family. Uh, but in particular now, these young families that are just starting out, just getting married, just going to have their first kid. It seems like the odds are stacked against them in this country right now. What is your advice to that young couple that's out there right now just getting ready to start their family? Well, I would just say there's nothing more important that you can do. And, and for, for young men, I mean, for young dads, I would say there's no investment you can make that is more important than this. So, you know, be willing to pay the price. I mean, be willing to say, I'm going to prioritize my wife. I'm going to prioritize my kid when he or she comes along. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make this number one, and I'm going to protect my family. I mean, I just think for dads, You've got to realize that whether it's social media, whether it's the, the influences of entertainment, pop culture, uh, now the big corporations, like you are going to have to protect your family. You're going to have to set up a hedge around them. And if dads, if you don't do it, it's not going to be done. I mean, you, you can't expect somebody else to do it. You can't expect that to be your wife's job or some neighbor's job. Or You have to do it. But if you will do it, you can create something there with your family that will leave a legacy that will stand the test of time. I mean, again, you want to have influence in this life? Raise a family, love your wife, provide for her, provide for your kids. You will leave a legacy that is truly eternal. Amen. Well said, Senator. Manhood, 
The Masculine Virtues, American Needs. Link down in the description. Uh, Senator Josh Hall, you're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.